This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It has been said that hope springs eternal in the human breast, but there's not a whole lot of hope springing in anybody's breast these days. Whether it's Christian or otherwise, it seems that all across the nation and around the world, people are losing hope. Some people would say, well, the absence of hope, the opposite of hope is hopelessness. Well, maybe that's true, but maybe the opposite is despair. Despair. And people are despairing all over the planet, both Christians and otherwise. And today on Viewpoint, we want to bring a message of hope amid the despair. Despair is uh, a very frightening thing because if you have no hope then what do you have emptiness you have nothing you have horror and if you don't have faith you don't have hope and so here on viewpoint today we want to weave together not spending a lot of time talking about the dire circumstances and uh, uh, things that uh, we come even today we heard from Unfortunately, we heard from Australia, a leader in Australia, that they are adhering to the new world order. Believe it or not, they're making their decisions regarding COVID and all the restrictions based upon, I I kid you not, the new world order. National television recorded it. People say, oh, that couldn't possibly be true. That's conspiracy theory. No, what you thought was conspiracy theory, what I may have thought was conspiracy theory 50 years ago, is now reality. That is the reality in which we live. Our world is changing rapidly and dramatically. We tend to be focused on the, the little things, the corollary issues that trouble us so much. For instance... We have country despair. We have despair throughout our country. Many are despairing that there's any hope for the country. We see the country deteriorating. We see the country absolutely divided, absolutely divided, not just by red states and blue states, not just by Republican, Democrat, but also spiritually. Those political divisions are reflection of an underlying spiritual deterioration in the country. Then we have climate despair. Increasingly now, we understand that our administration is going to shift us from COVID despair to climate despair. Why is that? Because they really don't know what to do about COVID. And everything that they've told us, or almost everything, has been wrong. Well, that leads us to despair, and we lose hope, and we lose hope in our government, and we lose trust. Trust is a casualty of despair or actually brings about despair when we when we breach trust then we have character despair we look at what's going on in our world we look at what's happening in our courts we look at what's happening uh in the presidential administration in the various states of the union even with regard to our own election and we realize character has been lost and if character is lost what do we have left Then we have church despair. 
There's much despair within the church. I have watched, grown up in the church for the past three quarters of a century. My father was a pastor, as many of you know. His father and mother were pastors. My mother's uh, father and mother were both in the pastorate. And so I have that kind of a heritage and have been involved with the church in many, many denominations across the country for these many, many years. Also practice law in California, where 80% of my clientele came from the broader body of Christ, and I have seen its underbelly. And there is much despair everywhere. Marriages are breaking down, a a reflection of the character that is in despair, and the church in disrepair. And then we also have campus and college despair. All over our country, there is a breakdown of trust in our educational institutions And they are actually usurping the role of parents and grandparents and pastors and attempting to change everything that we thought was real. That having been said, we want to look today for hope amid this despair. And uh, the the thing that inspired me today to, uh, to bring this particular program before you is I was invited together with my wife, to a musical presentation out of Richmond, Virginia. Now, we were not members of this particular congregation called Parkway Baptist, but we had a neighbor who was. And they invited us and a a group of other people to come to this particular musical that talks about hope on the horizon. And as I listened to this musical, I was greatly inspired. Now, I need a lot of inspiration. You might admit, uh, understand why, because of what we do here on this program, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. I need that kind of inspiration just like you do. And so we're going to be privileged today to hear some of that music, some snippets from that music that I think will encourage your heart. You're listening to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers, conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, And indeed, remember, God did not call us to be informed, but rather to be transformed, and that by the renewing of our minds that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, I can assure you, God wants you to be a man or a woman of hope. Hope makes not ashamed, the Bible says. Hope makes not ashamed. But our hope has to be built on substance. And as you know from the old gospel song, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, anything else but wholly lean on Jesus' name. So my question to you today is, are you wholly leaning on Jesus' name? Don't answer too quickly. People are losing hope. There's a great apostasy taking place, just as the Apostle Paul said it would just before the introduction of the counterfeit Christ, the Antichrist. So are you walking in hope, truly and completely trusting in the Lord? By the time our program is over here today, I trust that you will be, that you'll be encouraged, that you'll be strengthened, your spirit will be lifted, and uh, not just uh, in an emotional way, but uh, even deeper than that, deep down in your mind, your heart, and your spirit. So, I'm going to treat you now 
to a musical that was presented at the Parkway Baptist Church a couple of weeks ago, and what an incredible piece of work it was. I want you to listen carefully. We're going to have to play this off of YouTube, so you'll have to endure less than perfection, but I think you'll get the message and you won't be disappointed. Here we go. Hope is on the horizon. We'll pick up after this break. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Sitting in studio today is the man who sang this song that so gripped my heart two weeks ago when we were invited to the Parkway Baptist Church in Mosley, Virginia. His name is Derek Futrell. He is a pastor, and I tell you, when I heard him sing, I didn't just hear him sing, I watched him sing. I watched him sing. And the Spirit of the Lord was energizing him. He, he sang not for entertainment, but with passion. And I want you to hear this song as we launch into the program further today. Your eyes on the light, my friend. Tears, fears, and hope.
That's what we have to do. Are you taking hold of that hope? Well, it's because of his mercy that we have hope. It's because of his mercy that we have hope. Joining us in studio, Derek Futrell, Parkway Baptist. When he sang that song, it utterly stirred my soul. Derek, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Chuck. Thanks for having me on. I have seldom been so encouraged, so moved as when I heard you sing that song. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, also, I uh, just want to point out that that, was, uh, that is actually Prestonwood Baptist Church singing right there. Uh, we had a hard time getting our recording here, so my apologies for that. Uh, but want to give credit where credit is due. Well, yeah, so but I thought it. you did a better job. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> no, They've got the you. massive choir, and <laughs> you had the spirit. And I tell you, uh, that's what moved me. And I just uh, was uh, am just blessed and honored that you're here today. No, thank you. Thank you. And it was a joy to have you last Wednesday night. We did that on September the 1st. So at our church, we have a practice. We actually started this practice during COVID um, oh. because we were having... You know, uh, we wanted to encourage as many people to come out um, in person uh, because so many people mm-hmm. were having issues. Or so there's a COVID connection. There is a COVID Hope connection. Hope on the horizon to all amid the COVID connection. Yeah, believe it or right. not, that musical we had practiced uh, for about a about a half a year. Um, Were you despairing that it wasn't going to happen? I mean, <laughs> hope deferred makes the heart sick. It does. You're right. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And uh, some of us were a little sick that we didn't get to do that. Um, that uh, <laughs> We're supposed to do that in March or April, I believe, of 2020. Um, so what you saw was was the hope deferred. But I tell you what, um, that gathering on Wednesday night really was a hallmark for me personally um, and for the body of Christ. Uh, because when we started these first Wednesdays, we started encouraging our body to gather outside and we just gathered for worship and prayer mm-hmm. um, for some folks who didn't feel as comfortable coming uh, to indoor services all right as a pastor uh, you've you've been pastoring that church for what six years something like that uh, yes sir actually this March will be my five-year anniversary this is my second tour of duty at Parkway Baptist Church second tour of duty yes sir yes sir wow so, I, so is it is it kind of like going to Afghanistan or Iraq <laughs> or what's it like uh, the people there uh, uh, are a little more uh, teachers and we don't have quite the enemy uh, that uh, that is there with the Taliban. But uh, yes, sir, it's been a, a wonderful time uh, coming back to a church that actually helped plant. Um, mm. So my first tour of duty at Parkway, I was actually the worship pastor um, and served as worship and student pastor, then transitioned to worship and missions pastor. And I was there for almost 12 years. Mm. Um, and then God took me and my family to Martinsville, Virginia, and we pastored there for a little under three years. Um, and then God called us back to Parkway um, to pastor the church that we help plant. All right. Well, this program not only airs from Richmond, Virginia, which is the arena yes, in sir. which uh, you and I live, but uh, it airs all over the country and around the world. And I trust that people will be inspired by that that musical, uh, particularly this particular song. And we're only about halfway through it. And it's going to move, friends. I want you to be aware. Be prepared. It's going to move into something that's going to grip your heart uh we need to have our hearts gripped in this particular moment in time now as a pastor 
having grown up in a pastor's home, I know that uh, pastoring is not an easy thing. No, sir. In fact, it's considered one of the more difficult jobs on the planet. Why do you say that? Um, You know, I I think, yes, difficult, but probably also some of the most rewarding, uh, one of the most rewarding jobs, um, because we get to see the hand and spirit of God move um, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't wait for a weekly service for that to happen. Um, I think it's difficult because we have to see sin face to face, and sometimes. Well, that's a, that's a word that's all in, all, almost been lost <laughs> in the uh, nomenclature of the church today. Yes, sir. That's one of my passions is to make sure that I'm preaching the full counsel of God, like Good Paul for you. encourages in Acts chapter 20, and uh, also pointing out um, the holiness of God and how mm. none of us are holy. Uh, you and I were talking before we went on the air, and there is none good. Um, other than God, and yet alone. God calls us to holiness. He says, "Without holiness, no man is even going to see the Lord." That's exactly right. Yes. Wow. Yeah. You don't hear that preached much, do you? you? No. Matthew five forty eight says, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." But none of us, we're not going to arrive in this uh, in these bodies, but we press on, mm-hmm. and that's part of the hope. The Apostle Paul went through horrific circumstances. Yes, sir. Talk about a guy who could have had despair to the max and quit. This isn't worth it. He. I mean, he just about was killed over and over again. Uh, he recites all of the various uh, tumults that he went through, and yet he talks about the hope of the gospel. Mm-hmm. How can he do that? Well, I think uh, what you're referring to is in Second Corinthians chapter 12, and he does kind of list that myriad of things that he went through. Um, but he says God speaks to him, and he says, but my grace is sufficient for you. Well, is his grace sufficient for you? Yes, sir. It is for me. It's for everyone who's listening. It's for everyone who's not listening right now. His grace is sufficient. And he goes on to say that his power is actually made perfect in weakness. And so um, well, we're feeling kind of weak now. Across oh, the brother. Country. Yes. Christians are feeling weak. I sense it. I hear laments all over the place. Uh, people will send me emails. They'll give calls. Uh, what can you say in my search, my circumstance, my situation? Fear is rampant. Are you sensing that as a pastor? Yes, sir. Um, I don't think it's anything new, if I'm honest. I think that what's happened over the last two years is that the veil has been lifted. Mm. Um, and I think we're seeing what really has been going on all across the country, really all across the world. Um, there's a lot of self-sufficiency in the church. There's a lot of self-sufficiency outside the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those uh, those strongholds of self-sufficiency have been exposed for what they are um, because they are not sufficient. Um, and so we pe- people are feeling weak, and that scares them because they feel weak. Well, it's been said that uh, you don't really recognize what a, char- a person's character really is until they're under pressure. Yes, sir. And we're under pressure. We are under pressure. And the yes, pressure sir. is going to increase, isn't it? I think it's just going to get isn't worse. Isn't that the Greek word, the, the English word for tribulation? Yes, sir. Yeah, Jesus, pressure. Jesus himself said at the end of John 16, he said, in this world you will have trouble, tribulation. He said, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not... Derek has overcome the world, and it's not Chuck has overcome the world, but no. it's Christ who's overcome the world. Okay, but Jesus himself had to go through tribulation, didn't he? Exactly. I mean, how much greater does it get when you're weeping drops of, as it were, blood, mm-hmm. sweat drops as of blood, because of the tremendous agony that you know lies ahead at the cross? Yes, sir. Uh, and because of the cross, we have the resurrection. Uh, but I think that's part of the issue. I think most of us want the resurrection without the crucifixion. 
Oh, my goodness. That will preach. <laughs> it was preached to me years ago, so I'm just repeating we what I've heard. We want the resurrection without the crucifixion. Yes, sir. We want the coming of the Lord. But Amos said, you desire the day of the Lord? Right. Why in the world do you desire the day of the Lord? It's a day of darkness and not of light. Right. Yeah, see, I think that's where a lot of believers are right now. Is, is, uh, I think we have a little bit of a posture of a preschooler, a little bit of the nanny nanny boo-boo. Um, and so we uh, we kind of want God to come back. Is, and, is that the language your congregation speaks? The sure thing. Yeah, no, language? I think that's the deal. I think we're 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 kind of waiting so that the world can see the fruitlessness of their ways. Uh-huh. And I don't know that we have the posture of love that Christ had. And I think that's where Amos was getting at is we right. want this day of the Lord. But we don't understand the day of the Lord's for us too, um, to expose our self-sufficiency. Um, well, one of the things, uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, Derek, but uh, one of the, the emphases on this program is that we're preparing the way of the Lord yes, sir. for history's final hour. Mm-hmm. That's an intentional thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason we do that is because as we see the day of the Lord approaching, we realize the increasing hopelessness of the people. Mm-hmm. Even among those who supposedly press, uh, profess the name of Christ, mm-hmm. we find them weakening, falling away, drifting away. They're losing hope. They're losing faith. And part of it's because the word obedience, the word obey, has become the most hated word in the church. Right. Do you agree with that? I, I agree with you. Yes, sir. I think um, I think it's not so much that obedience um, is 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 not embraced. It's obedience to the wrong thing. Oh, um, I think that we are quick to be obedient to our whims. We're quick to be obedient to our desires. Uh-huh. We're quick to be obedient to our plans, um, and not quick to be obedient to the Lord when He comes and frustrates our plans. Mm. Um, and so, yes, I would agree with you. Um, but I don't know that we have a lot of uh, unruly, disobedient people. I think we have people who are obeying the wrong voices. All right. So um, we're being tested. It's a time of testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a time of increasing tribulation. And that's why we need hope on the horizon, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, no, that hope comes from the resurrected Christ. And back to... Uh, uh, um, what was that Second Corinthians chapter twelve, where Paul said, "My grace is sufficient for you." He's, he's kind of quoting Christ or the word that God mm-hmm. gave him, um, and he said, "My my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." He said, "Therefore," and this is the key. Therefore, he says, "I'll boast all the more gladly of what, not his power." He says, "I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses." Mm. Because then the power of Christ can rest upon me. And I think that's the key. Um, and that's where most of us honestly get uncomfortable. Uh, we don't like, we just don't like weakness. Um, we like power. We like strength. We like control. Um, but when that, when the facade of control is gone, um, we, we struggle. Um, as opposed to having our confidence boosted in the Lord. Um, and that's a tough thing. It's a decision we have to make. But when we make the decision to trust Christ in the midst of our weakness, then he really does show off. Then he really does show up in supernatural ways. Well, you brought a special guest with you that participated in that musical, yes. Hope on the Horizon, yes. uh, Blair, uh, Blair Redding. And she's actually with us in studio here. Swing that mic around to her so we can uh, at least introduce her to our, our listeners today. Blair, it's good to have you on the program. You're the mother of three, and uh, 
those three, two of them are in college and one is a senior in high school. Yes, and, and they didn't know they were going to be on this program today. So <laughs> two boys at, at Liberty University, Jesse and Joey, and Dorothy in high school her last year. Well, we're going to hear more from you because you have a story to tell that should, I think, will bring hope to a number of women out there, perhaps some men. And uh, so we want to hear from you after this break. Stay tuned, friends. This is Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny. And uh, we'll be back with you after this break to talk further about hope on the horizon. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Today we're providing a measure of hope on the horizon for you, hopefully. Martin Luther had an amazing statement concerning hope. He said, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. No husbandman would sow one grain of corn if he hoped not that it would grow up and become seed. No bachelor would marry a wife if he hoped not to have children. No merchant and tradesman would let set himself to work if he didn't have hope to reap benefit thereby. So hope is a big deal. God wants you to have hope. And the hope that he has for you and for me doesn't make us ashamed. It doesn't make us ashamed, friends. The Apostle Paul said we have hope, and because of that we use great plainness of speech. In other words, Paul didn't mess around. He spoke the truth. He spoke the truth in love. He corrected the people. And uh, he's the one who said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But Christ in you is the hope of glory. Question, is Christ in you? If Christ is not in you, where is he? Maybe that's one of the reasons you don't have hope. Maybe that's one of the reasons you have despair. Maybe that's one of the reasons you have fear. Fear, the Bible says, has torment. You can't have hope and be terrified by fear at the same time. The missing link is trust. And if we will truly trust the Lord with all our heart, lead not to our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge him, then he will provide hope that will make not a shame. Well, in studio today is Blair Redding. Blair is a sweet, blonde-haired gal Mother of three, uh, three in, excuse me, two in college at Liberty University, one a senior in high school. She doesn't look old enough to have kids anywhere beyond 10 years of age, but she's here and she has a story to tell. She was part of this musical and I watched her countenance. 
One of the things that I do, uh, this may take you by surprise, maybe, but I watch people's eyes. I really do. The Bible says the light of the body is in the eye. If your eye be single, it'll be full of light. But if your eye is not single, it'll be full of darkness. And then how great will that darkness be? Well, as I watched Blair Redding sing in this musical, there was only one who compared with her in terms of the spirit, and that was Derek Futrell's wife. I have to hand it to you, Derek. She did. She captured my attention. These two women sang their hearts out, and there was the joy of the Lord in your face, Blair. So what I'd like you to share with us briefly is why is it, especially in your circumstance, that the joy of the Lord is there because you have every reason to despair or did have every reason to despair? Tell us a little about it. Well, um, I guess he he commands us to have joy. He gives us joy um, in the fruit of the Spirit as as we become his. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, it hasn't been overnight for me. And I certainly have moments of despair and discouragement. But How long have you been a believer? Since I was 23. I grew mm. up in the church, but a believer since I was 23. So in other words... You've been a believer about five years then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere around uh, there, right? <laughs> okay. And let me just correct you. It is possible to be full of hope and fear at the same time because <laughs> I was scared to death and very yeah. hopeful at the same time. Okay. So I'm just kidding. I understand. No, you're not, you're not kidding. You're telling the truth. And uh, <laughs> there is a certain kind of fear. There's a natural kind of fear that comes, but we don't live in fear. We don't yeah. dwell in fear. And I think that's what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us what the situation was that caused you to have fear and hope at the same time. Um, well, on January 14th, I was told I had breast cancer. Mm. Um, and this came as a complete shock. I, I wasn't prepared to hear that word in that appointment. But um, just... God is with me all the time, and, and he it brought me immediately into peace. Um, and I knew he was going to fight the battle for me, and I said, what now, Lord? And, and I d- didn't get an audible response, mm. but I knew that he said, praise me. Praise me starting right now. <laughs> and so you know, I it's did. In, it's interesting <laughs> you say that because in the, if you read the Psalms, you find out, and by the way, this musical is from Psalm 46, Psalm 46. But if you read the Psalms, you find that David was a real guy, and he went through all kinds of agonizing troubles. He had enemies in his own house. He had enemies uh, foreign and domestic. He had all kinds of problems. And yet, as he recited those, he would finish up a particular psalm and said, yeah, I will praise you. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He I did. love that verse. I, I, um, God often uses songs to encourage me. Mm-hmm. Songs that just speak scripture um, straight to me, straight to my heart. It, it kind of is like a pan over the head for me to kind of get my attention reset. 
my thinking. As you were singing and preparing over those months during COVID uh, for the opportunity when you could actually present this musical to your congregation, I dare say that as you sang those words, they became an increasing encouragement to you amid the concern that you had. Absolutely. Well, the first, the first date that the musical was set for, I couldn't attend even with or without COVID. And then the second date I was in the middle of, um, fighting or enduring fighting with fighting alongside Mm -hmm. the Lord in my weakness for sure, where he was able to show off in his strength. Um, so I wouldn't have made that date either, but the third date Mm. that the musical was set for, I was able to be a part of, and I was humbled and honored to, to be able to sing always. And so how are you doing with regard to this uh, health challenge? Very well. Very well, thank you. Um, he chose to heal me on this side of heaven in this body, and mm. um, and I thank him for that. Um, just what whatever he has planned for me, I just want to keep my eyes and ears open, my heart, a heart of flesh, to be willing to do do you want what to keep your eyes on the horizon? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Keep the, keep and what, what and would you say to uh, uh, women out there who have faced the same or similar circumstances, maybe even right now? Um, well, <clears throat> if they know the Lord, um, praise God for that and, and to continue to praise him throughout there's just nothing but blessing in that. Um, when you feel the least like praising him is when the blessing flows even greater when you do in obedience. Praise so him. praising is not a, not the, uh, the subject of uh, motivation necessarily by your feelings. Absolutely not by your feelings. You have to rise above your feelings right. and praise by faith. Absolutely. And he, he honestly, he's the author of our faith and, um, he's, he's behind my prayers. He's, he goes before me. He walks beside me. He comes behind me. And so, um, when I couldn't even uh, open my mouth, he was right there with me, encouraging me to praise him and, and not every moment did I shine through in glory with my beautiful praises, <laughs> but overall, in other words, you're a human being. I was definitely had my, you my, hus- my husband will tell you, you hold absolutely. this treasure in an earthen vessel. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. I do. And he's, he, re- he reels me in on a regular mm. basis. He, he pulls me out of the pit. Well, I can tell you one thing you helped pull me out of the pit and hopefully a lot of other people as I watched you sing. Uh, watching your eyes, your face, the glory of the Lord was on your face. He's all we have. And, and I'm just, um, I'm just very humbled that, that that could encourage you. Absolutely. It did. And, uh, it's tough to encourage me in a way because I deal with such difficult things constantly. Uh, some people wonder how in the world, Chuck, do you deal with what you deal with all the time? My wife watches the news for half an hour and she says, I'm done. And I have to keep dealing with it. I deal with it on the Internet. I deal with it on the television. I deal with it constantly 
because I have to know what's going on to be able to prepare God's people. Because you can't, uh, I don't know about you, uh, Pastor, but uh, what I find is so many people, even pastors, kind of play the game like a two-year-old. And they put their hand over their eyes and say, look, man, you can't see me. Look, God, you can't see me. They pretend that things aren't the way they are. It seems to me that what the gospel is intended to do is to give us hope and deliverance amid the problems, not pretending that they're not there. What say you? I agree with you totally. Um, He does the peace that he gives amidst the problems. That's what Jesus said in John 16. He says, I've come to the world that you might have peace. Uh, He said, in the world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Um, So the... The peace that believers claim, like you want to talk about name it, claim it. Right. We shouldn't be naming and claiming when it comes to prosperity gospel. We should be naming and claiming the peace of God that passes understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And it will keep our minds and hearts pure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Amidst, like you said, amidst exactly. the problems, amidst the turmoil, amidst the tribulation. Um, so like uh, in reference to um, the message that we all heard at 5 o'clock yesterday coming from the White House, um, while I don't agree and I disagree diametrically with pretty much everything he said. Um, well, he even disagrees with it because he changes it all the right, time. Right, right. But, but, <laughs> but amidst all of that, my peace cannot be changed. Even though I might be angry about injustice, um, my peace cannot be interrupted. Um, and if I allow my peace to be interrupted, then my peace has been placed in the wrong thing um, because it's his peace that um, has gives me the ability to take heart uh, because he's overcome the world. Absolutely. When we get back, we're going to take a look at uh, how to keep our eyes on the horizon again. And then we're going to be shifted into something even more positive, my friend. I hope you'll stay tuned. So keep your eyes on the horizon. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Many increasingly are looking toward the second coming of Jesus Christ. He came the first time to save us from our sin. The second time he is coming to judge the world in righteousness for their sin. That's what's not commonly preached these days. We want to give people a happy, happy feeling. But their happy, happy feeling has to be rooted in a deep hope on the horizon. And that deep hope on the horizon has to do with the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. When the trumpet sounds, friends, and time shall be no more. When the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, 
when the saints of earth are gathered over on the other shore, well, as the song said, I'll be there. Question is, will you be there? It was my favorite, my, my father's favorite song, as he led oftentimes in worship as a pastor. And at his funeral, I sang that song. And then I changed the words of the song at the end. Rather than saying, I'll be there, I said, will you be there? Will you be there? Don't answer too quickly, my friend. Because the Bible says, whoever has this hope in him will purify himself, even as Christ is pure. There's something that you and I have to do. We can't save ourselves by good works. But our lives have to conform to what we say we believe. So when we keep our eyes on the horizon, there is something substantive that we have to keep in our minds and our hearts. Be inspired now as we hear these words. Cry of your heart. Even so, Lord Jesus. Even so, Lord Jesus. that hope in there, friend? Keep your eyes on the horizon. Go ahead, sing along.
Pastor Derek in studio, unable to contain himself. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I had to sing along a little bit there. So. I I can't blame you. And uh, Blair, I think maybe you were humming along too. She was. How in the world can you not? Uh, so inspiring. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Now, what I find, co- what concerns me is, uh, Pastor, that so many of my brothers and sisters don't seem to be ready. Yeah. yeah. We used to sing a song when I was in high school. In those days, we could still sing gospel songs in high school. <laughs> in a high school choir, we sang a uh, a spiritual called, I want to be ready. Mm-hmm. I want to be ready. I want to be ready to walk in Jerusalem just like John. Mm-hmm. Problem is, people are not ready. Right. The Apostle Paul said they're going to fall away, and they are falling away. Do you see that happening? Yes, sir. I do. All right. So, as a pastor, and I know you have a tremendous pastor's heart. I've watched you. We had lunch together. I've seen you in operation. Uh, your personality is very different than mine, and it's needed for the body of Christ. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. It is. But how do you prepare people that think they've got it all together in the Bible Belt of America, <laughs> where the divorce rate for the past 25 years has exceeded the nation as a whole by 50%? How do you do that? Well, I think it, it has to come from not focusing on what's wrong, but focusing on the Lord. Um, Psalm 37, I think, makes it clear. Mm. God really one of my favorites nailed me and drilled into me at a very low time in my life, Psalm 37. And he simply says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I think sometimes people think, Whatever their desires are, he gives. Right. But he actually plants desires, exactly. his desires in us, and then he fulfills those desires. Have you, have you been living in my mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, that just means the spirit at you is the there same spirit in me. Maybe that's why um, I was so attracted, uh, as you the say. Lord. But then it goes on, and he repeats himself. Uh, the psalmist does by saying, trust in the Lord again. So twice he says, trust exactly. Lord, because we have need of trust. But then he says, commit your way to him. Mm-hmm. And then he He'll acts. direct your path. Right. He acts. But a lot, of t- a lot of times we want him to act first and then we trust him. But he's already acted for mm. us. He's already acted for us in Christ. He's already acted for us in his word. He's already acted for us in his spirit. And we forsake the things that he's already acted in. And we keep telling him to do more. And I think about mm. what Jesus said in John 6 after he fed the 5,000. All this group went around the the, the you know the sea because they wanted breakfast. They <laughs> caught up with him. It was a late breakfast, and they said, "Give us a sign." And Jesus yeah. said, "There will be no sign for you." It sounds like our entitlement mentality today, doesn't right. it? And, and this really, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, and I think sometimes we think, "Oh, well, this is new. These are new problems." They're not. They're the same problems. And Jesus is just trying to get our attention. And we have to remember, God is not wringing his hands. He is not worried. He's not pulling his hair out. He's not going, oh, what are we going to do now? Um, he is He is empowering his church, and he is revealing what Ephesians says, the manifold wisdom of God is not revealed to individuals. The manifold wisdom of God is 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 revealed to the church. 
Um, and that's what the world needs right now. And that's why, you know, you say, have you been in my mind? Of course, because you're the church and I'm the church. So, <laughs> of course, we're in each other's minds because we're, we share the mind of Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what Philippians 2 says, have this mind, in which you. is yours mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. Right. Um, so, you know, you're playing that song earlier and, and forgive me for, for, for doing this, but I can't help it. I feel like the Lord wants me to do this. Um, I started my day uh, teaching a vocal performance class actually with 10, 10 kids, uh, high school age students that are wanting to learn more about their voice. Um, and, uh, the song that I demonstrated for them was a song that just resonates in my heart. Often uh, I try to start my day with this song, uh, whether I sing it or whether I just think about it. Um, but it's a song called What a Day. I'm sure you've probably heard it before. Uh-huh. Um, but do you mind if I sing part of it? Is that No, okay? go ahead. I you've know, got a, a minute and a half or so. All right, so it goes like this. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky. And no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. And what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And when he takes me by the hand. And leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. Yeah. What a day that will be. And there's going to be a lot of harmony up there (laughs) on that day. A lot of the songs we sing today you can't harmonize with, (laughs) but that's one you can. Abraham Lincoln said, we shall nobly save or meanly lose the last best hope of earth. He looked upon America as the last best hope of earth. An awful lot of people look upon America as the last best hope of earth. In fact, increasingly, they see that the earth is losing its last best hope. A lot of Christians are concerned because they've put their hope in America. Right. What do you say, pastor, to the church? I say put your hope in Christ. Um, and if your hope has been misplaced in America, even as beautiful. And I look, I love America. Oh, yeah. Um, I pray for America. Um, but my hope. I'm Mr. Patriotic. Yeah. <laughs> I've got more patriotic ties than the man in the moon. My wife says no more. <laughs> but, but as you said earlier, my hope is built in nothing less than Jesus, blood and righteousness. And America, we need to understand, is less than Jesus's blood and righteousness. Absolutely. And so I cannot put my trust in that, um, but put my hope in him. I still have hope for America, but it's not for America's sake. My hope is for the sake of Christ. Absolutely. Um, that his gospel might be made clear. You know, a lot of people have said, Chuck, why, why did you form a, a ministry called Save America Ministries? One uh, pastor 
came up to me shortly after we had formed Save America Ministries in California. He said, Chuck, what are you doing these days? And I said, well, we just formed this nonprofit Save America Ministries. He said, well, at least you didn't bite off more than you could choose. And that was in 1993. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of things have happened since 1993. America has... uh, uh, fallen on very, very hard times. The church is falling on increasingly hard times. But the Bible says, in fact, the prophet Jeremiah said, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And Save America Ministries, for those who need to be corrected in this regard, is not about a corporate entity called America. It's about the people. The first three words of our Constitution, the preamble, say, we the people, we the people. The government is not them. The government is you, my friend, and it's we. If we see America declining, it's because we the people have been declining. We have not put our hope in Jesus' blood and righteousness. We've fallen away from the song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's where our happiness is gone. The only hope is to keep our eyes on the horizon for Jesus' coming. Thanks for joining us here today on Viewpoint. Become a partner, friend, send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Don't wait for the other guy to do it. He's not doing it, friends. God is relying upon you. We don't use commercial support here. They would try to control us. Only God can control what we say here on this program, and I hope it's encouraging. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.